You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here with you today. I'm glad I get to bring you today's message. Uh, Yes, my name is Pastor Mike, and I am married to Janet, my bride of 16 short years. Uh, And we have four children. We have a 22-year-old son named Khalif. He's in college right now. Uh, We have a daughter. She is 15. Her name is Cameron. Uh, A son named Silas. He's 10. And Jake. He's 10. (laughs) Yes, he's 9. He's (laughs) 9. I know, right? Already. (laughs) Starting off. But we we left Lancaster, PA. We moved to Baltimore, Maryland, uh, because God was showing us something. He was showing us that there's going to be a move of his spirit. Uh, He's showing us there's going to be a revival, and he is inviting us uh, to be a part of that. And we're like, yes, we want to. But we, you know, like, a little hesitant, like, Lord, you want us to leave Lancaster and, and go to Baltimore. Like, I don't know. And so this was not like an overnight decision. This, this took us, this is a year and a half process for us, and it's still unfolding for us today. And it all started back in uh, September of 2015, where I had this dream, and the streets are all flooded with water, and there's water just moving through the streets. And I'm in this kayak, and I'm moving along in this water, and then I start to descend downhill. And then I'm going under this overpass, and as I look up, there's this road sign that says Route 40 and I-95. And I'm like, what does this mean? I tell Janet about my dream, and so we just leave it go. We don't know what to do with this. And, uh, and so for the next uh, couple of months, God starts to show us things to, to bring us into where he's moving us. So in October, this was September and October, we decided to take our kids out of school for a day and bring them to the Baltimore Aquarium. And as we enter into the city of Baltimore, my son Silas, the 10-year-old, he's very expressive. He was like, I like this place. I like this city. And he's getting really worked up. And we're like, Jen and I, you know, asking him, what, what do you like about this city? I like the buildings. I, I, I like the people. I, I love everything. We're going to move here. We're going to live in Baltimore. And I'm like, we're not moving to Baltimore, son. <laughs> There's more to Baltimore than just the Inner Harbor. <laughs> so he's all excited about it. But then in November, we get a guest speaker that comes to our church. And he's talking about the, the need for more churches in Baltimore. And, and he's preaching his message. And then at the end, he's saying, and me and your pastor, we're talking about what does this look like planting a church in Baltimore? So at the end of the service, I'm looking at Jen. I'm like, what do you think about that? She says, I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> so that was November, December. My pastor calls us to his house, and he's asking us, we're serious about planting a church in Baltimore. Would you guys be interested in doing that? And I'm like, wow, like, what's this thing with Baltimore? I mean, we were definitely, we were actually thinking about planning a church, but back in Lancaster, actually in York, Pennsylvania, because it was close to home. We keep our jobs, our relationships, you know, we don't have to leave our comfort, you know, but Maryland, ah. And so I'm like, okay, what information do you have about it? He says, well, we'll get you the information. And Jenna's like, no, we're not interested. No. 
So then I get the information. We're looking into this. In January, we usually do a 40-day fast. Yeah, we were like hungry for Jesus. <laughs> and we go to a conference every year in January. Uh, and so in this conference, we go, and Janet gets touched. I mean, she gets word that we're supposed to go to Baltimore. I mean, we're sitting in Panera Bread parking lot, and she's crying. She's like, we're supposed to go. I'm like, all right. Then she says, what about that dream you had? The dream about 40 and 95. I said, I don't know. Look it up. Guess where it's at? East Baltimore. <laughs> And so the Lord was just pointing our direction, like, I want you here. I want you here. And so uh, in June of 2016, we packed up. We put our house on a market. And for the next six months, June to December, we're showing our house every week, two to three showings a week for six months. People were coming in. They're like, oh, we really like the house. It's really nice looking. We like this and that. And then a handful of them said, we're going to put an offer in. And they did not put an offer in. They left us high and dry. We were very discouraged, you know, honestly. And so from June, December, we are, um, January comes around, 2016, we're like, um, we're going to put um, our house, yeah, the house is on the market. We're going to go for our, our, our fast in 2017. So 2016, December, and January 2017, we're going to do our fast again. 40-day fast. We need to hear from the Lord. We're discouraged. Our house is not selling. And, Lord, you showed us these things. What's going to happen? And then we go to this conference. And at this conference, uh, uh, amazing things happened. We, we, Janet just gets this word from the Lord again. Like he's touching her again the second time we're at this conference. And he's telling her, go, in March. So she comes back to me. She's telling me, the Lord is saying we need to go. Whether the house sells or not, we need to go. And I'm like, er, no. If we leave, we still have a house payment. We can't go. But she says, trust me. Like the Lord said, we need to go. So I said, okay, we'll go. So we're, we're in this conference, and she's being touched. She's telling me the Lord said we need to go and in, in, in march no matter what. And so the next things that happened were mind-blowing for us. Our house is off the market during this time in January for this 40-day fast. Lord, what's our next steps? He's saying, okay, go in March. Go in March. We get a phone call from our realtor. He says, I know your house is off the market. You said don't bother you. You know, you're doing this 40 days. But I got two offers for your house right now. Our house is not even on the market anymore. We took it off so we can fast and seek the Lord. And he sent us two offers. And when we leave this conference back at home, there's a third offer. There's an envelope. There's a third offer for our house. So our house sells. In January 2017, our house is sold. Now, at this same conference, we are approached by this lady. And she has this crumbled up $5 bill. And she hands it to us. She says, I don't normally do this. But I felt the Lord wanted me to give you this $5 and say that the rest is on its way. We're like, oh, thank you, Lord. So encouraging. We ask her name, where she's from. She's from Baltimore. Um, the Lord is so good. And so Janet and I, we, we packed up our things, you know, and, and we're getting ready to move. In February, she resigns. In March, I resign. We pack up our things. We're gone. 83 South, we came to Maryland of April this year. So for seven months, we've been in, in Baltimore. 
And we're, and, and, and we're just uh, steadily adjusting and adapting. And I, and I look at this and I'm like, who does this stuff? Who packs up everything that they have and all that they know and leave their comfort for God? Would you do that if he called you today? God knows that we needed these encounters. He knows that we needed these signs and these miracles to happen in our lives. We didn't have, if we didn't have this relationship with God, we wouldn't have left. We had to take in consideration his faithfulness. He is faithful. Yes. And so I'm glad that he knows me. I'm glad he knows exactly what I need. And I'm glad he knows you and he knows exactly what you need. So I want to go to a portion of scripture today where God is, it's in John chapter 4, and we see Jesus interacting with this woman. And in this interaction, he's telling this woman that he knows her. He knows exactly what she needs. And the story starts off with this woman. She's heading to a well. And she has this encounter with Jesus. And she, through this encounter, she goes back to her village. And she's telling these people, I found mercy. I found grace. I know that's why God called us here. To be this tangible love. To, to, to tell those that don't know him yet. He has a desire for them. He wants to be with them. So as, as we've been given opportunities to go out and pray with the homeless and to pray with those who don't know him, to tell them God has a desire for them, a relationship that he wants to establish with them. And I want them to see God as a good father. We sang, he's a good father. They got to see that. So while Jesus is here at this well and he's resting from his journey, uh, this woman from Samaria, from Samaria comes to this well where Jesus is sitting. And Jesus breaks the norm of that day by speaking to this woman who's a Samaritan. The Samaritans were, <clears throat> excuse me, a people group. Uh, they were Jewish but there was this invasion of the Syrians, and they brought their captives to the same land years and years ago. And so the Jewish people that were there were intermarrying with these other people group, and so they were a mixed culture now. And so the Jewish people didn't consider them pure blood. And then with this uh, uh, multicultural people group, they brought in the idol-worshipping so the Jewish people really stepped back from them like, we're not dealing with these Samaritan people. But Jesus crosses that line and says, I'm going to interact with her. And so he's asking this woman who's coming to this well for a drink of water. He says, give me something to drink. That's like sitting next to someone that everyone's been ignoring. And so she says to him in verse 9, this is this interaction uh, conversation that they're having. He says, she says to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jews and Samaritans don't have any dealings with one another. But Jesus responds to her and he says, if only you knew the gift of God, what he has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So I ask you today, what is this gift that God is offering? I tell you what it is. It's love, it's forgiveness, it's salvation, it's righteousness, 
It's 1 Peter 2.24 that we are healed by his stripes. It is Ephesians chapter 1 that we've been adopted into his family. It's the cross that we look to. It's John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only son. That's what he's offering to her. This is a divine appointment that Jesus has with this woman. He knows exactly what her desires are. He knows exactly what she's longing for. And he knows that he is the one that's going to satisfy her. And so in verses 13 through 15, God says to this woman, Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. God is not talking about physical water and quenching this thirst from a day's journey. No, he's talking about a spiritual need. He wants to touch the spiritual void in not only her life, our lives. God was touching me when he was showing me things, when he was showing our family things. He was saying, I got you. Your soul does not have to be unsettled. I'm showing you these things because I love you. I know you. And this is going to get you through. So he's revealing to this, I'm the one that's going to quench um, um, quench your thirst. Nothing in this world is going to satisfy you. God satisfies. Still, we chase after things, after material things. We're hoping to find satisfaction in these things that we're looking for. It's God. He's the one that satisfies what's going on inside of us here. And so in verses 16 through 19, Jesus says to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet Jesus begins to address this woman's sin in her life. No, she didn't have a husband. She's living with a guy that's not her husband. But that's not the main issue of this conversation right now. He brought that up to acknowledge it. Because when we lose our identity, that we are made in his image. And and when we don't know our purpose, that we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We make choices that don't, don't, that don't align with our creative purposes. We drift away from what he's calling us to. So once she once saw herself as marriage material, she no longer sees herself as that. She's settled. That's not what God has called her to. He's not what, it's not what he called us to, to settle for, for his best. But as he's bringing this up to her, he's not condemning her. He's accepting her right there where she is in life. His hands are still extending the righteousness, the love, the grace, the gift that he said that he was offering her is still there. He didn't retract. It's still there. And I know this is what we need to experience. This is why the love of God is so important. This is why God is sending people um, like me, uh, church planners and, and, and missionaries, and he's setting your hearts on fire for what his heart is burning for. God wants you to know and wants us to know that our sins don't exclude us from this gift that he's offering. It, inclu- it draws him near to us. 
Actually, it drew him to the cross. He has a burning fire inside of him for us. He knows us. He invites us to get to know him. I grew up in the streets, stealing, vandalizing, getting chased by cops. I mean, like, I was a troublemaker. And all of that led up to just living life on the streets, getting locked up as a juvenile. You could have told me that a relationship with God was, would change my life. I would have laughed at you and said, no, a relationship with God is not going to solve my issues. But it did. See, I carried around this spirit of like of an orphan all of my life. My dad has 14 kids to eight different women. So for my mother, I have an older and a younger brother. He wasn't around. But I got touched by the Lord one day. He was telling me that he was, that I am made in his image. So Janet and I were at this marriage conference. And, and the presenter there is telling us to face each other and to confess to one another uh, an area of life that we find it difficult to relate to God. And then make the opposite statement three times to each other. And then enter into worship. So I, Jen and I look at each other, and she, she goes first, and, and then I go, and I'm telling her, it's difficult for me to relate to God as my father. So I'm making a statement, God is my father. God is my father. God is my father. And then as I return to enter into worship, the spirit just fell over me. I mean, it washed me, it hit me. I fell to, the, to my seat. My hands are in my face. I'm crying uncontrollably. I mean, everything that had an opening was leaking. <laughs> God was touching me. He was healing me. He came into agreement and says, yes, I am your father. Yes, he is our father. He was healing me. It was powerful. It was refreshing. He restored my identity. He, gives me, he gave me confidence. I'm a natural introvert. This is tough. <laughs> I get to minister to marriages alongside my wife. I'm church planting. God is using my story to touch other people's lives. He's good. He's crazy, too, if you ask me. (laughs) But I'm so glad, like this Samaritan woman, that he knows me. He knows what I need. He knows us. Amen. This is how we advance the kingdom of God. This is how we, we, we advance what God has called us to do and that the darkness flees is when we share our testimony with people. It's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So in verses 20 through 24, our fathers, she's saying to Jesus, worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people should worship. Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I love worship. I love when we get together. I used to come out of routine. I had to work up to it. And, 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 and I, I tell us today that 
when we come to worship, it's an expression of our relationship with God. Don't come half-hearted. He knows the difference. God is spirit. He dwells within us. He knows the difference. And when what's coming from you is from the heart. Amen. (laughs) Him dwelling in us means we're in constant communion with him. We can enter into praise immediately. We are carriers of praise. We are carriers of worship. That means we have a weapon. We have uh, uh, this tool. We have an important key that frees us from bondage. So whether it's depression, despair, whether it's confusion and chaos, God says, worship him, and that all breaks off. God then releases through us the authority to break chains off of others. We can intercede for others. We can pray over other people that we know, friends and families that are going through something, and we can release something over them. Freely we have been given, freely we give away, is what Jesus told his disciples. And that message is for us today as well. In verse 25 through 26, this woman says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. It's important that we get this understanding and we get this knowledge of who God is. The enemy would would love nothing more to do than instill that from us and cause confusion. So he's telling her, yes, I'm a prophet, but I'm much more than a prophet. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that the scriptures have been written about. I fulfill the prophecies that were written. I am the one that has the kingdom that goes from everlasting to everlasting. Her encounter with Jesus. The disciple shows up, and so she, she takes off. She goes back to her village. Remember, earlier Jesus says, go ahead and go get your husband. She's telling everybody, I found a man who told me everything about me. He knew everything about me. Could this be the Messiah? When we share our story, when we share our testimony, that is a seed of faith that we deposit. When we share that, those that are listening, their faith gets stirred up. Their hope grows in him. If he could do a miracle in our lives, then he can definitely do a miracle in their life. We share it. We give it. In verses 39 through 42, we get to see the power of this woman's testimony. Many Samaritans, it reads, from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of this word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. She got the whole village. We are not responsible whether people give their lives to the Lord or not, but we are responsible for delivering the message. We're to sow and reap the harvest. It's God's responsibility for the seed to grow. 
So you and I, we're, we're sowing our story. We're sowing what Jesus did. We're sowing what the cross has done for us. And there's going to be times when you go to sow and you're actually reaping what someone else has already sowed. We have a part in this, and, and we be faithful in this part. God is faithful. I have with me my story. I share, I, one night was just praying and worshiping and just got caught up with the Lord. And all of a sudden, I was just led to get a piece of paper, and I started writing, and out of that came my testimony. I share this wherever I go. This woman, she shared her story with her entire village. I share this at barbershops, at restaurants, <laughs> the stores, and people that I bump into when I'm walking the streets. And I get to pray with some of them as well. I've, when I first made these up, I would go out in town, and I would just hand them out, and I had CDs that I made out, and I would give CDs to people as well, and I started to bring my kids with me. I brought Jana with me. I brought men from my group with me, and um, there's this one time where uh, I got my two boys, Silas and Jake, and we're walking down the street, and we handed out a couple of my stories, and as we're walking, two young men had walked up behind us, and I didn't realize it, but Jake did. So Jake looks back and says, hey, Dad, there's two characters right there. We should probably give them one, too. I was like, oh, no. He called them characters. <laughs> I never taught him that. So th- those guys didn't get a track that day. <laughs> but I quickly gave them a lesson in witnessing etiquette. We don't call people characters, you know. <laughs> Evangelism can be tough. Don't look at it as an event. It's a lifestyle. Just as worship is a reflection of our, uh, of our relationship with God, so is, so is this. Sharing our story, it's just part of that relationship that we have with him. It's an expression. It comes out. So my story is overcoming fatherlessness. I've told you already that my father had uh, 14 kids to eight different women, and I have an older and younger brother from my mother. So we found ourselves in the streets all the time. My mom worked second shift to make ends meet. So my brother and I felt, you know, we were accepted in the streets. So I was saying earlier, I was, you know, just the vandalism that I would do back then, and it led up to me selling drugs. And it led to me shooting a guy over drugs and getting incarcerated as a juvenile. Um, Because my father wasn't there. And I felt this fatherlessness my entire life. And my anger for my dad grew over the years because he wasn't there. And it got worse when I got married because he couldn't show me or tell me how to be a father uh, to my children. He couldn't show me how to love my wife. And marriage was getting hard at that time. And then he passed away, and I really hated him then because now he wasn't around for me to blame for my failing marriage. So there was a process of forgiveness that I had to walk through, uh, uh, forgiving my father. Because God has a redemptive plan for not only me and not only you, but for Baltimore. So 
God brought men into my life. Pastor Sam Smucker, uh, where I got saved. Amos Dina, Dave Parker, a mentor in my life. These men modeled before me true manhood. They showed me how to love my wife and how to father my children. Uh, God has brought these people into my life. He knew exactly what I needed. He knows what you need. Today, I, I, I tell you, I totally relate to the Samaritan woman. Christ found me in my sin as well. And he extended that invitation. Eternal life. Love, forgiveness, righteousness. He extended it. Today, right now, it's still there. These men sat down with me. They showed me the image of God. And I'm glad. Because God knows not only me and you, he knows the people outside of this building. Maybe he's calling you to be the one to sit next to that person that everyone's been ignoring. Maybe he's calling you to be that image of God. See, God gives you permission to share your story. He says, my love is perfect, cast out all fear. My grace is sufficient. My mercy is new each morning. He's got you covered. So if there's a tender spot in your heart, I pray that you allow God to just to work in you and bring healing in that. Uh, May this be the day that you tell other people that are not here right now, he knows everything about me. God wants to use your story. He wants to use my story um, about this gift and this relationship that we have with him and evangelism just flows from out of that. God desires that none would perish. He's looking for more than just Christian mingle. He wants to offer, his offer is like a proposal. He's already committed himself to this. He was on that cross. That's his commitment to the our covenant. And he did that in exchange for our sins. And he gives us his righteousness righteousness instead so that the Father sees all the goodness of Jesus all over us. We look good to him, bride. (laughs) So today, do you want to receive that forgiveness? If so, come down. You can come down right here and I'll come down. We can pray together and you can receive the gift that God offers you. His hand is still extended. He's inviting you into a relationship that will transform you into something good. His image. Some of you just may want to repent and just rededicate your lives. I ask you too to come down and just kneel and just say, Lord, and just tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's been going on. Let him know that you need his help walking this out, this, this commitment, this covenant with him. Just come and kneel and talk to him. But for those of you that want to receive this gift, me, Pastor Larry, Pastor Dan, we'll be down here. We'll pray with you. Don't wait. Today's the day. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to share with you this morning. And again, I'll be down here in the front, so please come on down and just talk to the Lord.
or come down for prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's respond to the word of the Lord this morning. Um, I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to sing. We're going to invite you to the table if you're a Christian to come and and, uh, receive and be reminded of the faithfulness of Christ as we saw explained today. And come, take his body broken, dip it into cups, and be reminded of his shed blood that forgives of our sin. And I want to welcome you in this place today as Pastor Mike shared with us. Um, I think there's maybe two ways, there's a lot of ways to respond, maybe two ways you can consider. One, for some of us, be reminded, hopefully today, of the story God has given you. If you're like me, we forget our story. We just get into kind of the mode of doing church. And I love church, I love this thing we call worship, but it's so easy how we can reduce the following of Christ in our life to just kind of these activities we do. When, when Jesus has done work in your life to save you from some of the hardest things you've been through, and again, you're not perfect yet. In some sense, you are. You're perfect in Christ, but you're, not, you're still living it out. But God has done work in you so that you would have a story to share with someone. And maybe for some of you, that can be the commitment you make. And maybe like Pastor said, come down, maybe kneel. And for some of you, that's going to feel really uncomfortable. Maybe you need to do that, though, to be reminded again, God is calling you to be the one who sits next to someone. It's amazing how people think that church people, if, you're not, if you don't go to church, you think church people are all perfect, right? They think they're perfect. But if we can be reminded again that God has taken us from where we are and saved us, loved us, to go and sit next to maybe that woman, that, that, that man, whoever that might be, that neighbor, and to be present and to be like Jesus was. Because um, I mean, God can do whatever he wants, but the, probably Jesus is not going to come and sit with your neighbor, but he's done um, work to give you his spirit, to go in his name, and it be his hands and his feet. And maybe for some of you, that's the commitment, but maybe for others of us, maybe it goes a little bit more based than that. Um, maybe you just need to be reminded Jesus wants to sit with you. Jesus wants to sit with you. And maybe you're here in this place today, and even as you are hearing Pastor's story, perhaps the Holy Spirit was even bringing and prompting you to some of your areas of brokenness that you've never really dealt with. And maybe a way you can explain it, what do you feel humanly disqualifies you? And we're a church that talks about all are welcome, but let's be real. There's some things that in your heart, maybe it's shame, Maybe certain areas of guilt, you're like, this disqualifies me. Maybe it's like this woman, it's a string of some unhealthy relationships. Maybe for some of you, it's brokenness in your body. For some of us, maybe it's feeling like you're less than as as a spouse or as a parent or as a child. Maybe for some of you, you feel you fall short in different areas of life. Some of you feel real tainted. But can we be reminded of this amazing love of the Savior that he knows that? He knows that, and he's saying, I want to sit with you, and I want to be with you. And can you be welcomed into the amazing grace of Jesus Christ and do that? Maybe for you, that's, that's your response. You come and you receive that. Whether you know Jesus or maybe today you acknowledge, I need Jesus. Because I didn't think anyone would love me with all of that in my life. But what I'm hearing today is he actually does love me. He wants me. So let me pray for us, and I'm going to ask us to respond in some of those different ways. Lord, help us. As we heard today from your word, uh, you are far more amazing than sometimes we, we allow you to be. 
not because you can't be, because our faith is small. But you're reminding us through your word today, Lord, this is a radical kind of love. This is a love that this world will not understand because we do put conditions on people, even ourselves. But Lord, you remind us you love us even when everyone else thinks it's insane. So Lord, for some of us, remind us of that so that we could be your ambassadors and to be those who go to others who are broken. But for some of us, Lord, if we're honest, we're the broken ones. And we need to be reminded you desire to sit with us here today so much that you would go to this thing called a cross. You love us that much. So help us, Lord, as you respond at this time. So again, if you want to receive prayer, um, you can come up front and receive prayer. You can just pray on your own. Uh, We can also come to the table, sing, pray, whatever you need to do to respond to the Lord's word today.